two men were out on a Saturday on their day off, you know, and they're, they're fairly wealthy. One of the man, men was a millionaire, and he had a small single prop engine airplane that he loved to go out and fly over the ocean. And um, due to engine failure, this one Saturday, they had to crash land on this deserted island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. They both survived the crash with just, you know, some bumps and bruises, a little beat up, but definitely alive. And one of the men went and decided, I'm going to go check out this island to make sure, you know, there's some water, maybe there's some food or something. And he left and he's wandering around. And he comes back and he, he tells his friend, I've searched the entire island. I haven't found any food or water. We're going to die. It's just the end. The other man says, don't worry, I'm a millionaire. I make $20,000 a week. We'll be fine. Guys like, but, but don't you see? There's nothing to eat and there's no water. We're doomed. Like I said, I make 20 grand each week. We'll be home in a day or two. The other man clearly frustrated says, why in God's name do you keep saying that? How the heck is your money going to get us out of here? The other guy sits back. He leans against their smashed airplane and he says, Every Sunday at my small church, I put my tithe of 10% from the 20 grand I make in the offering plate. My pastor will find me. All right? So, just kidding. All right, so, we're continuing in our series on spiritual gifts, and uh, we're talking about the functional gifts that are in Romans 12, 6 through 8. And those gifts are prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, showing kindness, and mercy. A Christian's functional gift represents what God does in him to shape his perspective on life and to motivate his words and his actions. Um, all these things found in Romans 12, they describe these basic functions, which are characterized by those things that the creator made, you, made inside of you that makes you unique. And through those gifts, God's make, God makes believers aware of needs that he wants us as other believers to meet through him for his glory. these traits that God has created us with have a a purpose to to serve beyond yourself and to serve our community. And when we catch on to those needs and we grasp those, God will show up even in even greater ways beyond our like human capabilities. And the things that we do will be at maximum effectiveness instead of just like within our power. You know, God is this perfect creator and he so created everything on earth with a, a very specific purpose. You know, even in his um, prayer last night, his fake prayer, the, the comedian guy was talking about how we breathe out, you know, carbon dioxide. It goes up and it comes back in this air that comes back into me to pray this prayer, you know, um, and in this full circle. But literally, God has like the stuff that we waste fuels other things to come back. And do you not think that God has created you with a, a specific purpose? to serve the church. And so, like, I don't know, we're, we're coming to the end of this series, and I just really want to, to, for you guys to grasp that, like, you have a purpose beyond just showing up here. Like, God has created you to build this church, and your gift is just as important as mine or Noah's or Drew up here leading us in worship and in his skinny jeans. If you didn't see, it's, I, I didn't even tell him. He just came that way. Uh, but you have a purpose, all right? And so catch that. And today we're going to talk about the gift of giving. But before you blank out because you heard giving and money and don't turn off the live video yet if you're watching us, stay with me, okay? 
right? Because that joke probably hits home with a lot of people when it comes to giving in the church, right? One of the main thoughts currently in our world is that the church is about money, that they want people's money. And I want to tell you today, I'm not asking for your money. I won't ask for your money. So don't worry. That's not the kind of church we run here. Romans 12, 8 says, it is give, if it is giving, give generously. Giving in the Greek is metadidomai, something like that. And it simply means to impart or to give. However, this word in this verse is accompanied by another descriptive word, haplotus. And that's the word that's translated to generously. But this word tells us much more about the kind of giving that's associated with this gift. Right? The word haplotus means to give sincerely and generously, to give without pretense or hypocrisy. The King James Version translates it to giving with simplicity. Right? It's not about the, the big givers who put on a big show or lavishly pouring out their gifts upon things. It does translate, however, to bountiful, freely, and generously. But it doesn't mean that it's this huge thing. And I think there are people who have the gift of giving who haven't realized it because they've been, never been able to give the huge gift. But that's not what's directed here. It's that you give simply, that you give generously from your means, and that you're not doing it with any other notions but to just be somebody who gives. Now, this gift is monetarily focused or resource focused. It's not about giving of your time and talents. This is a specific gift about giving of your resources. Now, each person's behavior with every one of these gifts varies according to their life circumstances, how they were, you know, brought up, their age now, their gender, the culture around them, and the circumstances of life. However, it's not unusual for individuals who have the same gifts to have common characteristics. So here are some of the characteristics of givers. See, a giver's basic motivational drive is to conserve and share resources in order to meet needs. Givers take special delight in discovering needs that others often overlook and then meeting those needs, often behind the scenes. Givers particularly enjoy preventing waste by exercising wisdom and accountability. A giver gets joy by finding less costly ways to do things, whether that cost is measured in time, money, or energy. Their families can often think that they're stingy because they're too concerned about counting every penny that they have, but to the people that they have given to, find them extremely generous. They try to avoid the limelight. They want to give anonymously to avoid recognition. Saving resources brings a giver almost as much pleasure as giving them because they regard saving as a key that opens the door to even more resources. They seem to be able to accumulate savings or still have money even in hard times. Now, these things are not 100% accurate. They are generalizations. Um, I'm a giver by nature. It's something that God has gifted me with, but I'm also a bad saver of money. Um, but what I do love is making my money work for me so that I always do have money to give. So you may not line up with all those things, but it might still possibly be your gift. Some of the strengths of a giver is a giver saves money by making wise purchases. He also tends to avoid impulsive spending, right? Staying up too late and scrolling Amazon is probably not what it is. Like, you know, givers tend to have excellent understanding of authority and accountability uh, more than those with other motivational gifts, right? Givers expect to be held accountable and digit, digi oh my gosh, diligently. I typed the word out so I know it's there. You know, um, hold others accountable. 
They're often very hard workers. They love to become personally involved in the lives of people that they're trying to support. Um, regardless of their economic status, they hardly ever spend more than they make so that they have more to give. And givers love to motivate others to save and give generously. If you are a giver, you have the spirit-given capacity to, and desire to serve God by giving of your material resources far beyond your tithe to further the work of God. You are a person who meets the financial needs of fellow Christians, church members, and the community around you. Givers have the attitude that tithing is an outward evidence of an inward commitment. And tithing is not giving 10%. It's receiving 90% and caring for that 90% in a way that glorifies God. It is a commandment for all Christians, and the gift of giving starts where tithing ends. Some givers' weaknesses are that sometimes their efforts to conserve resources turn into being too cheap, right? And, and sometimes it does, I mean, not even sometimes, it takes money to even spread the gospel around the world. That's the truth of the world that we live in. Givers can react negatively to pressure to give, assuming that others are not giving, so they're like, oh, it always falls on me, right? Um, if a giver has been offended or lost confidence in a person or a ministry, it sometimes gets in their way of what God really wants to happen, that they would still be able to give to bless those people. And just as true of any other spiritual gift, a giver sometimes can become too focused on issues they find as priorities and then gives them kind of a tunnel vision of life instead of the wider perspective of what God is up to. So let's look at some givers in the Bible. In Acts chapter 4, 32 through 37, in the book of Acts, it's the account of the very first church after Jesus died and rose again. And in that it says, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the, one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which is a weird nickname, right? Um, but it means son of encouragement. And he was from the tribe of Levi, and he came from the island of Cyprus, and he sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. The first church in Acts, they were dedicated to this gift of giving to the point that nobody around them had a need. We talked about this just this last Wednesday, that all the way back in the Old Testament, the Hebrews were commanded to take care of the needs around them and not just give enough so that the person doesn't die, but it says to give with an open hand. What a beautiful picture, right? The church that so took care of everybody in their community that nobody had a need. And the church used to be a place where people from anywhere could turn to to find help. We have a fund here to help others, but many months we have to turn people away because we don't have the funds to meet all their needs. And that doesn't take very much. Imagine if we just all pooled our funds together as they did in the first church. Needs can easily be covered. Picture this. If you have $20 right now, that $20, you know, you could help somebody a little bit. You may be able to buy them half of a coat. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but you could probably find them, you know, maybe some warm clothes for winter. You might be able to get them some groceries to get by a couple days. But if everybody in here gave $20, that turns into $1,400. Now imagine, you can cover somebody's rent. You give them a place to live for a month and groceries and, and all sorts of things. Isn't that crazy? Just the power of 
multiple people. And that's what the first church had found. Or we are dedicated to that at this church to use our money for the community and for our family here. But currently we don't have a ton of money coming in and we're not always able to help. Um, but what if we could really be a resource to our community, to everybody who came in asking for help? Right? We have the gift of giving as an attitude when it comes to our finances here at this church. When I came, um, we started doing a bunch of energy updates and things around here so that we could bring down the cost of our utilities and just our, our month-to-month kind of base that we had to spend so that we had more money to give. And then we started a benevolence fund. So we have money set aside monthly to help take care of the, the needs in our community. As a church, we want to be a blessing to the, the world around us, to be a light through those types of resources as well. Right? We try to be very transparent with our funds here. Um, right now, our quarterly financial reports are out there at the resource table if you want to grab it and look over what we spend our money on and where money is going and what money is coming in. And if you have any questions, I am available to sit down and talk to you. I can pull up more reports. I'll show you everything. We have nothing to hide here when it comes to our money because we want to be transparent. We want to be a light in the world that's changing the view of people's idea of church. We've worked really hard with what we have to keep this older building in running condition, um, which seems to be a weekly thing. But we also want to continue offering these services and the things that we have here for you guys, at the same time trying to be a source to our community and the people within our church family. There's another story of givers in the Bible found in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. This is Paul talking, and he says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that, that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it on their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for, for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. See, the churches in Macedonia in the scripture, they were giving money to Paul and his ministry team to go and spread the gospel in Jerusalem, to plant more churches. And they gave, even though they were not wealthy, but from their poorness that they, they gave in their own free will. It says that they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to Paul's mission. People given the gift of giving are often those that are called to support missions and support churches, the mission of other people. I met a man, and I, I won't share his name because this is going out to the, um, onto the internet and anybody can find it, but he is one of the first people to make aloe vera water, which is, I don't know if you've seen it, it's in like square bottles and it has chunks that float in it. It's not my favorite either. Um, but he made a ton of money off of this. And um, he gives, like, I don't remember what percentage, but majority of his money goes away to support missionaries in the Middle East. I spent almost a month in Pakistan on a missions trip, and on my, our way home, we had like a three, four-day layover in Dubai um, to kind of debrief where we had been before we got back into our real world. And he flew from where he lives to meet us in Dubai to take us out for a meal um, to thank us for the work we were doing in the Middle East. And it was a really nice meal. 
Like, he, he looked up, like, Dubai's fanciest steakhouse and took us there, and I didn't bring fancy clothes. Um, and so I was pretty sure they were going to just have to leave me outside, but they let me in. He probably paid extra. I don't know, but I was like, I'm not even sure what to get. And he goes, don't worry, I'll order for you. And he ordered me the most expensive thing off the menu and by far the most glorious thing I've ever tasted in my entire life. Uh, but we're sitting there and we're talking about like, hey, why do, you, why do you do this? And he said, well, I had a heart for the Middle East and I wanted to go myself, but I could never find my way into the, you know, to the country because it's really hard to get into the Middle East if you don't have certain degrees and all these things. Well, in the meantime, his aloe vera water thing made it huge. He goes, but now instead of just one person, me, I support 100 people. And that, like, man, the impact is just so much greater than the one person can because God had gifted him with a very specific gift. Now, giving money doesn't mean you just get to sit back and let other Christians be the Christians, okay? <laughs> just saying, you know, you write your tie check and you're like, there, done my duty, I'm done. Gonna sit back. Now, there's still things we're all called to do, right? You have a personal responsibility to make disciples and to love others to Christ, but also on this note, as with all the other gifts, this isn't something that just because you're not gifted in doesn't mean you don't get to do, right? We are all commanded to give. And a reminder that giving is above and beyond your tithe to the church. And this isn't a message about tithing, right? But for those who don't know what that is, tithing is your regular giving to the church. Um, it's a biblical principle to give around 10% of your income to the church. And uh, so that you know, that idea of we're all pooling our money so that we could take care of the needs of each other and the needs of our community. Um, if you want to know more about tithing and really stewarding money well biblically, I preach a message back at the end of January called Stewarding Money. It's pretty hard to find. Um, but look it up, listen to it. I, I think the speaker was great. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Seriously, though, if you want to know more about that side of things, because we're talking about the gift of giving today, so I'm not going to take a long time there. But go look at that. But we don't, I want to say here for a moment, we don't need your money. God, this is God's church, and God will take care of it. God wants you to be a giver because there's blessings that come with that, and that's what he's commanded you to do. And so God will take care of us. He already has. This church has been all over the place and God has provided for everything that we've needed here and he will continue to do so with or without you. But I know that his plan is to do it with you. Romans 12, 13, just a few verses after these gifts, we find this command. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. John three seventeen says, if someone has enough money to live well, and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Proverbs 3, 27 through 28 says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, then I'll help you. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 42, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Then in Matthew 25, verses 34 through 40, leading up to this, Jesus is sharing a story, a, a parable about two different groups of people. 
And these people that were on his left were people that didn't take care of the people that were around them in need. They weren't taking care of people who were hungry. They weren't clothing the people that didn't have clothes. They didn't visit people in prison and all this stuff. And the people on the right were ones who took care of them. And in verse 34, Jesus says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison or go, and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When we ignore the needs of others, we're directly ignoring Jesus. Now I've heard this often recently, especially when it comes to like political stuff, but there's a phrase that, say, that people have been sharing. It says, the Lord helps only those who help themselves. Have you guys heard that phrase before? And many people believe that that is biblical in some way. And first off, I'm here to tell you it's not in the Bible. Secondly, when it comes to only caring for those who help themselves, it's not even biblical. Yes, God does help those who are taking care of God's things, but it is not a prerequisite for us to help people. As we've already seen, we're commanded to give and to help others. That's what's expected of us. There is no specifications on who we are to help. We just help others. Right? But what if, first off, there's no buts? I mean, they're people, so they have two T butts, but not one T butts are allowed in giving, okay? <laughs> I'm tired of hearing things, but what will they spend that money on? I don't know. First off, it's God's money. It's not your money they're spending. Second off, your responsibility is to give, not to direct what they do with it. All right? And lastly, if you're so concerned, don't use it as an excuse. Pick them up. Take them to buy groceries. Take them to dinner with you. And the other thing I hate is, but they could get a job. Sure but you don't know their story. Maybe one day you'll lose your job. And that could be you, right? Maybe God needs you to get into their life, to hear their story because it's more than money that they need. Maybe they need a savior. And they needed him in this position because you're supposed to answer that call. But you won't even give them a minute of your time, but you could earn their time by taking them to dinner. I also hear the question, well, if I'm so worried about taking care of others, who's going to care for me? Now, this brings us to a similar situation we talked about when we were discussing encouragement, right? That we are called to take time to think of how we can build others up instead of ourselves. But if we're always thinking of others, there's actually more people thinking about you than when you're thinking about yourself. And that's the same. If we are all caring for others and we're taking care of the needs for others, there's more people caring for you than when you just care for yourself. You also have to be able to accept the help. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 says, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly father knows, what you, knows that you need them. 
But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. What is biblical is the phrase that God helps those who, helps, who help others, right? And it's just right there. If you take care of God's kingdom, which is us, then he will take care of the things that you need. Luke 6, 38 says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured back into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Proverbs 28, 27 says, whoever gives to the poor will be lacking nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. All right, sober soldiers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it can be non-alcoholic for DD, right? And, uh, but uh, I don't know what I would do with a barn full of grain, but I would thank the Lord. Um, <laughs> 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, Paul is talking to a church who had promised to give to help him plant more churches. And he tells them this. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop, and you must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Right? In other verses, it says, a man reaps what he sows. So if you sow generously, if you pour out generously, you'll be given to and receive back generously. But what it comes down to is the matters of the heart. And that goes all the way back to the, the gift. The givers know how to do it cheerfully. They desire to do it. And sometimes we need to come alongside those other givers and go, how do you do that? Because when I start to give money to somebody, I'm just upset, right? I'm like, you know what I could have used this money for? You know, um, you know when they're like, you're in Starbucks line and they're like, the person in front of you paid. Would you like to pay for the person behind you? You're like, oh, please only have one drink, you know? Like, sure, you know, guess I'm not eating for a week. Why do they buy so much stuff? No, um, but right, you know, that's like your heart's not quite right. Like you want to be nice because you know it's the right thing to do, but your heart's not in it. And God wants your heart to be in it. That's what he's looking for. So decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly a response to the pressure of the guy who paid for your coffee, right? Give cheerfully. Paul continues with a little teaching about giving in verse eight and says, God will provide, generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. I love that verse because we talk about reaping and sowing. God not only provided like because of him reaping what he sowed, but God also provided what they sowed and then gave them bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. When we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Right? God gives to us so that we can give. God provides so that we can provide. These spiritual gifts we have are to help be reflections of Christ in the world around us. So, God, you know, can God directly provide for people? Yes, I've seen it. I've seen, 
miracles happen in provision. But God often uses people, and he wants to use people so that we can be a reflection of God's love for them. We help others because we're commanded to love others. We genuinely love others, and that will help lead them to God because we can show God's love and care. So this is where in a normal message on giving, I start to point out the ways you can give to our church. But that's not what we're here for today. So instead, I'm going to challenge you to give out of here. And we believe this so much at West Des Moines Open Bible that we're called to be givers. That when you leave today, we're giving everybody $5. Not even kidding. We want to give because God's going to bless us. That's what the scriptures say, and we believe that. So as you walk out of here, you're going to be handed $5. Now, what you do with it is up to you. That's your money now. You can add to that $5. You can throw it in your pocket. You can leave it out front for Noah to find. Um, (laughs) But I have a few ideas for you, just some thoughts and suggestions. Take that $5, give to someone in need. Maybe it's somebody you know. Maybe it's somebody who's homeless on the street. You can give to missions here at the church or find another nonprofit who can use it. Maybe use it to buy someone coffee. It'd have to be a small coffee because $5 doesn't go as far at coffee places anymore, right? (laughs) But you can still get like the four for four at Wendy's and sit down with them and talk to them and chat with them and check on them. Maybe you can pool your money together for a really nice pastor's appreciation. I mean, just kidding. (laughs) But you can... You can pool your money together and you can bless somebody overly abundantly. And I know some of you might need that money for yourself and you are welcome to keep it. It's your money. But I challenge you to give it and trust that God will give it back to you plus some in some other way because he always does. All right, let's pray. God, I... I'm just thankful that, that all these gifts that you want us to have, that you see in us, that you're trying to pull out of us, God, that you represent, God, that you lived it. Jesus, you lived it. You gave everything. You laid down your life for us. And God, you are constantly taking care of our needs with hot Cheetos. I'll take regular Cheetos if you're passing out, but... God, I pray that you would call that giving out of us, Lord. God, that you would let us see the people who are our givers here, not be so that we can applaud them and, and give them recognition, but so we can learn from them and be encouraged to be givers in the same way. God, I know personally that when I give, you've always taken care of me. God, and I want them to see that. I want them to know that you're a good father who, who doesn't want their money, but you want to bless them. that you give us what we have so that we can bring you glory and then you will pour out more because that brings you more glory. When we can steward things the way that you've called us to. God, I pray that you open our eyes to see the needs around us, Lord that you would stir us with compassion just as you did, Jesus, when you walked you know, through the Gospels. You, it kept, you were heading somewhere. You were headed to some town and you would get pulled with compassion because you saw needs. God, will we see those needs and will we, will we not be able to move on with our life until we respond to them? God, even if it's just giving the smallest amount that we have, like the poor widow who can only drop in two cents. God, you said that lady gave out of her you know, nothingness. 
And it meant so much more than people who gave above and beyond because of their wealth. God, I pray that you would keep our eyes open to fresh new ways to care for our community. That our eyes would be open to the needs, not just of those in our church, but our surrounding neighborhoods so that we can be a blessing and be a light into the darkness for you. I love you so much, God, for everything you've given to me. Help me to be a giver of you and a giver for you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Right, go and be givers for Jesus today. Don't forget your $5 on your way out.